How's it going everybody? This is Martin Stokes here. And this is Dean Scurry. And I am a traveller. And I am a countryman. Welcome to A Traveller and a Countryman Podcast. Podcast. What's the story lads? This is Martin here. And this is Dean. And together we are... Dean Martin. And we're doing a podcast here today. So episode 7 and today we're going to talk about... Protesting. Uh, and why are we talking about protesting? Uh, because a lot of it going on in Italy. And uh, have you done any? Uh, I've done uh, one, yes, yeah, just today actually. <laughs> That's why you're bringing it up. Be honest with the people out yeah, there. Well, look, I'm bringing it up now because I don't want this morning, yeah? So, Martin, so and Martin I've done one. And a few I, of I, I actually done one, like, say, about 12 months ago. You say, one, almost one year ago, yeah. Martin and his mates today done um, protest, or as I like to call it, a human rights picket. Yes. Um, and protesting is kind of how we met about, uh, about 12 months ago. Um, because there was a report that came out from the Ombudsman for Children and it kind of said, look, tra- traveller children are being left way behind. And then there was another report, a government report, on uh, the money being spent or not being spent by councils on traveller accommodation, etc. Uh, that came out a couple of weeks later on. And I was like, hold on a minute, what's going on here? I went up to you and you boys were just about to go uh, and shut down a Dublin City Council super depot in Ballymun beside where you live. We actually no, we actually had we had it done just that 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 that, that morning. Oh, very good, yeah. And of course, you got the news. Yeah. And you thought there was something in it, yeah. I thought it was a bit of fame and so glory. You, in it, you, so you landed at, at, at the site. You're always painting me as, as, as <laughs> the person's trying to get something from you. So Martin, right, the first yeah. time I met him, he said, what are you doing here? What's in it for yeah, you? Yeah, we almost and, had a fight. And I took all the keys and phoned <laughs> it all out of my pocket. And I, put, I put my fist up and I said, I will spark and knock you out. And I told you, Dean, don't, you're forgetting you're in a traveller site here. <laughs> but what I was trying to say was, I'm here for the love, I'm here for the community, I'm here for the growth, and actually... Martin, I might learn something from yours, but vice versa, you might learn something from me. Well, I know that you've learned a lot from me, Dean, but I really don't have learned that much from you since I... I tell you what, those protests yeah. or pickets you've done were very successful. Oh, you did, you were behind us, weren't you? Oh, very good. <laughs> but because I had done yes. a number of them over the uh, over my life, I've been... Uh, I, I learned protesting from my community and from my mother uh, initially. Uh, you know, how to get up and how to get out and how to fight for things. And and how to do it in a way that you are more likely to succeed than get arrested or not succeed. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's how we did do it, like non non violent protest, peaceful protest. Yeah, and you can do non violent peace, peaceful protest, but it it can be not effective. We done effective non violent peaceful protest. So how do you do an, an effective one without? Well, you achieve your um, objective. You you achieve the result you want to achieve. Yes. Well, in that case, we did uh, we did achieve a little, you might say. So what do we... So it's the, the thing was, we got someone to listen to us, but then it was only for a while. So when is this? This is now or this, this is last no, year? No, that's last year. It's nearly a year ago now, yeah. So can we can we bring the clock back a little bit? Yes. I, I'll talk a little bit about how I got into protesting, uh, and then you can maybe bring us up to speed about your experience with it in the travelling community. You know what? What have you been doing? What you what? Have, what have you seen? So I remember back in the eighties when we had the um, protests against drug pushers in Ballymoan and around the city, and there was a lot of aggression used there. Mm. If you actually look at what was achieved, you know, there's more drugs. We as as a as a society, as a city, as a country, 
initially they might uh, have results, but long term, the results don't seem to stick. Probably not. But it depends what the protest is all about. Our protest was about basically the and the site where we're living, yeah? We've been like 20, this particular site now has been open since 1997. There was people always living there. Yeah, yeah, We yeah. were living on this, on this particular grounds for the past 42 years. Late 70s. Late 70s, yeah. okay. Yeah, late 70s. But anyway, we're talking about now the 25-year part, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they built, uh, they built a site... And of course, Dublin City Council built Dublin it, City built, Council, yeah, built the site, but a Halton site. As time goes on, these sites need maintaining. Like you know what I mean, they need maintaining from the start, obviously. But then, when they get a little bit run down for various reasons or one thing or another, of course, it's Dublin City Council to. So what part of the site? When I say maintaining, maintaining I'm talking about. Likes of electricity. Yeah. Likes of taps getting broke or... So, like, outside taps. Yeah, problems with that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? And, like, like mains electricity that comes from mains, the pole. all of that, yes. That kind of, for a while, there'd be sockets in the walls. Which, if that was in, like, um, a settled community, the council would be fixing lampposts and power, and if there was leaks, outside leaks, they'd be fixing them and so yes. on. They'd be, they'd be maintaining the general upkeep of the public area... Uh, the grass areas and all that type of stuff. Yes. So what happens anyway then, there wasn't a, there wasn't a great lot happening. So then at one stage, a new guy came on. He was, um, let's say he was over the, the travelling co- community in Ballymun, if you like. So, um, well, probably not just Ballymun. No, maybe not, but I know him uh, as around On Bally- your side, he's, uh, a, he's Dublin City Council's guy on the ground. Yeah, so... Um, he was um he came on board anyway and he started making all these promises that what what Dublin City Council wanted, like say years a long time ago before IKEA opened, they let's say called a meeting, yeah, and they offered people houses in the the local area as you call it, yeah. In St. Margaret's Park. No, around no, not in St. Margaret's Park. Oh right. So during their regeneration What they wanted but they weren't saying it was. So during the regeneration of Ballymone they were offering people They offered houses. people houses in the in the Ballymone area. Yeah. So for instance like if if you were um you and your family would say it was four or five in your family, they could say, Look we can offer you four or five houses. Now they were offering them but at the time the houses weren't really there. Okay. So the, uh, basically they were talking through their hats, if you like. Yeah. And what was what being, it was... I think you're being polite there. I am being polite, yeah. Okay. The, pl- the plan was, anyway, that IKEA itself wanted to buy that grounds where we are. From S- Dublin City St. Council. St. Margaret's Park. Yes. So that was, uh, the, that was the rumour and the theory at the same time. I'm just yeah. going to give people a little bit of uh, explanation, a bit of context so they know where we are. So Ballymoam was built in the 60s. It was meant to be this utopia. There was flats all over the place. It was a failed project for a number of reasons, mainly decisions and policies made by Dublin City Council and government level. Uh, and by their own admission, they ghettoized the area. And then they had another re- regeneration at a, at a cost of about a billion quid, which resulted in a lot of homelessness. Like 20% of all the homeless people in the city of Dublin are from Ballymun. Right. As they were doing that, private developers got in and bought up uh, apartment blocks and IKEA came in and most recently the Catlon came in. Uh, because of the location of, of the area, it's right beside the M1, right beside the airport, right. right beside the M50. It's a prime spot. 15 minutes from town, basically. Yeah, it's a prime spot. It is a good pro- convenience. Especially if you're a, a multinational business like the Catlon or IKEA, to get your products in is dead handy. Yeah, like. that's right. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're almost at the poor tunnel as well. 
It's in a great, yeah, it's in a great location. There's no doubt about that. So at that location, uh, just off the M50, is St Margaret's Park at the corner of Ballymoon, and there's about thirty bays and forty families. Well, I'll tell you what happened anyway. Yeah, this new guy came on the council, yeah, and he was making promises for. Let's say he wanted to. He was saying he wanted to re uh, redevelop the site, but the thing about it is, we're having meetings after meeting, meeting after meeting, left, right, and centre, and we're getting a lot of good points across. But um, he didn't seem to didn't seem to be interested as he was pretending to be. If you know what I'm saying. So when was this? Five years ago, this ten years like, ago? No, this could be like anything up to seven years ago. What happened was then before we knew it, they sent out say whatever you call them leaflets, yeah, flyers that uh, they were doing a depot across the across the road. When you drive out, basically the the entr- out the entrance of Saint Margaret's Park, yeah, which is where we live, they had plans without anybody knowing it, without us even knowing it on, on the site. Yeah. Um for a super depot. So now, uh, this super depot was costing like at the moment now, up until a few months ago, it was costing them like a hundred million to build. So you have St Margaret's Park on the corner of Ballymun, then you have a field about a hundred meters wide and about three quarters of a kilometre long. Yeah. And on the other side of that you have a road, the Catalan and IKEA. So it's, it's really good land and what Dublin City Council have done uh, is they've decided to kind of sell up all of their other depots around the city and build what they're calling a super depot at the cost of about 100 million quid yes. on your doorstep. On the doorstep. The thing about it was, anyway, for years, the, say the people on our site, yeah. they, were, they, want, they were asking and applying to the council all the time for to build something on that land. Because this same land, see ourselves, all the young lads who grew up there, there used to be uh, there used to be football pitches in there. Okay. And they took away the football pitches, but for years and years and years there was like all oh, the young lads would be playing football there, and all sorts of sports in there. If you know what I mean. I remember that. So that back road that used to run up beside you on the other side of that, there was all football. All pitches. the pitches were in there. They used to call the seven pitches. The seven pitches, yeah. That's right. So they took away all that anyway. It was like a, it was literally like a playground for the travellers that lived in that site. So what happens then anyway, they decided they were going to build um, a depot, which is a council depot. They had these plans all drawn up and everything fully gone ahead before the travellers even got to know about it. Yeah. So which made this so this then, without a doubt, made the travellers angry on the site. Because why? That they could go ahead and make all these plans, all the blueprints, all you name it, everything was fully fully done up, up and running, as you call it, before we even knew about it course we took it to the realisation was look they're going to build a depot here there was talk about people trying to put, put a stop to it the council said look this can't be stopped because it's got, it's already gone too far yeah do you understand what I mean so it would have been a big fight to, to stop something like that right yeah so like there would have been like they would have happened to seek planning permission yeah and you mightn't have been aware that there was something going up uh, until the plan of permission had already been granted. Everything was already done. And yeah. everything was done. All the checks were signed and the yes. contractors were yeah. contracted. Basically, the, the news we got was that, look at, the builders are moving in there at such time. Yeah. Like something like two to three months. I think they might, they, they could have seen the travellers as an easy touch here. You know what I mean? Uh, who who, yeah, who, they who did. are these lads? Yeah, they did. They're not going to know a thing about what we're doing. They won't understand how they, to um, appeal, plan and permission, all that type yeah. of stuff, you know? So the story was anyway, um, when the travellers on the site heard that, they were angry because we're applying for years and years and years for them to do something with our own site, which we live in, and also it was overpopulated. So use some of that space over there to try and make another, maybe but another what site. What was overpopulated? 
the car, the site that we live in, the caravan site. So how is it overpopulated? There was, there, there was too many families in it. So there's like 30 bays, is there not 30 families? No, there would have, maybe there could have been 45 to 47 How families. did that happen? Certain bays, there was like two, sometimes three families in them. Right, but how did it go from one family in them to two or three families in them? Because um, as families grow up... Yeah, yeah. There's, so people uh, have kids. Absolutely. And uh, when this was happening then, there was no space for them to, to go in, nowhere, nowhere for them to move, no housing or no apartments or nothing like that for, available for them to... So in other words, there was no accommodation available. Yeah. So they had to make the best of what they had. Taking it from there anyway then, we sent a word into Dublin City Council that as soon as the builders come onto that site... We're just telling them to go. Simple. How as. did you send that word in? Um, you see, they used to send. There used to be a caretaker on the site. Now the caretaker would have been there. He would have been the second caretaker in 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 that forty years, because there was one caretaker there, and he only resigned about, let's say, nine or ten years ago. Handy number. Now he was there for a long, long was time. Was he doing it? He was a local from Ballymun, basically. Was he doing it? Yeah, he was nice. He was actually nice. Was he maintaining the place? Um, no, he, I wouldn't say he maintained the place. He was doing a little bit, like, you know what I mean? Okay. And, but everybody, everybody liked him there, you know what I mean? What was his job? His job was, like, a little bit of sweeping here and there, uh, checking if there was anything, say, maintenance again, if there was anything broke or damaged, he'd make a phone call in to tell them to come out and all that sort of stuff, you know? But it wasn't happening a lot, you see? So that's what I'm saying, handy number. It was a handy number, yeah. Well, in a sense, yeah, he had a handy number, of course, yeah. If there, if there was no work getting done and he was the fella either directly responsible for telling someone the work needed to be done or doing the work himself, all he was doing was turning up. Yeah, that's, I suppose in a sense like that, yes, it was. So the reason I'm going through this and yeah. uh, I'm just slowing it down a little bit yeah. is so people get an idea of, and this just, just doesn't apply to travellers, this applies right. to a lot of people. Absolutely. And what we're going to explore here or discuss here um, or let people know is what the conditions are and what we've been doing yeah. to counteract well, the topic that. is not mainly about travellers anyway. We were talking about protests, is that right? Yeah, we're talking about protests. So then we, then we switched to the protests that I had, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That was involved in, at least. But uh, but what's important is not everyone protests, not everyone sees the value of protests. Yes. Because a lot of protests aren't effective. Yes. They don't get the outcome that... that well... People don't even know what outcome they're looking for sometimes. Well, I'll tell you the outcome of that one back then was like nearly a year now. Uh, it was actually a good outcome at the time because it was the most that ever happened on the site. So I'm going to bring it back a little bit. You yeah. got word to the council about um, th- that you're going to yes sh- uh, shut, the, the, site, shut sh- the site down. Yeah, through the through the caretaker basically. Yeah. But the only thing about the caretaker was they took him off the site. Okay. Like 18 months before this, so they let him come back like twice a week, just to say he was still in a job. We we knew that like don't we didn't have a problem with that because. The man had a family to feed, like, you know? Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, so I got the word to the council anyway that if, as soon as the builders comes onto that site, as far as the travellers on, on that site was concerned, that was their land in a sense. Yeah. They were so long using it, like, you know what I mean? Council would, would have never, in maybe in 30 years, never set foot in it. So the travellers would have possibly had some rights for that land. Yeah, they, they sort of would have a claim on it, yeah, if yeah. you know what I mean. When you don't know these things, it's another story, you know what I'm saying? Um, so anyway, they turned up. Who the council? They know the 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 builders as we call them. Okay. The ground workers, and of course we went over. Every one of us went over, nice and peaceful, and told these lads. We explained to them that it wasn't nothing to do with them. They weren't a problem for us, or we didn't have anything against them or no ignorance like that. And they were told, 
nice and let's say nice and mannerly if you want to put it that way. Yeah, yeah, nice and peacefully, yeah. Peaceful, yeah. That um we don't want them on that site. And we told them the reasons also. So you approached the workers directly. So basically the moral like of the story that. was that they could build this um big super depot costing over a hundred million euros. Yeah. And they were also building it for themselves. It's a Dublin City Council depot. Yeah. But they couldn't spend nothing on the site in repair. There's a lot of repairs on the site. A lot so that, of repairs. So that was your argument was they're spending 100 million quid on this and possibly more to suit themselves. Yes. But on the footprint of that land is 30 or 40 families live in deprivation and there's no maintenance done. Absolutely. Yes. So you went up to them. Did you go up to the lads and the diggers or? or the lads were on the diggers. They were yeah. digging all the ground and they were... Those pipes getting delivered, all that sort of stuff. Because I, like, I was groundwork. I wasn't there that day. I well, was you there the there. following day. It was I the think. following day you turned up then. So I turned up with a few. Uh, so the lads, anyway, they went home well, nice and peaceful, and of course we done the same. But then the council, then the, the council, they, they sent some members of their staff out, and this was for the first time in about eighteen months. So we didn't want to talk to them. We, we told them no, we don't want to talk to you. So then the, um, the two main people in Dublin City uh, Dublin City Council, basically, they sent out for us to, would we have a meeting with them? Because, of course, it was in their favour. And we told them no. So they kept trying and trying and trying. And look, we said, well, look, we give it a shot. So we did. So we went to have a meeting with them anyway. But the only thing about the meeting was what I found, I don't know, is it one of their tricks or what's going on with them anyway. But I learned was that you go to the meetings with Dublin City Council. Yeah. And they just they just sit there and shut up. Okay, so they use, so they therefore, use, they use the, uh, like it's, it's not even a so silent treatment, these, they just say nothing. No, not, not in that sense, no. They want to give you the impression that you're actually listening to every word you say. Okay. So you're sitting there and you're talking and you're talking and you're talking you're trying to make all these good points and then whoever's there with you in the meeting of course gets the chance to say a few words and we all try to make sense of something, okay? Which which we think that we do. But in their eyes, we're making no sense. So therefore, they're sitting there, and they're sitting there, and they're just listening, 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 listening. And they're agreeing with absolutely everything. But the reality of it is, they're not listening. And also, they're not agreeing. Well, one of the points you made so to me... So basically, what they're actually doing, they're giving you what you want. They're telling you what you number want to one, hear, but not number saying one, anything. Number one, I'm listening to you. Yeah. Number two, I'm nodding the head. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So now I'm agreeing with everything you say. So now, now there's no argument, is there? Very good. There's so no, it's, a, it's a strategy no, to reduce yeah, the, the argument in the room. One hundred percent. But we didn't realize this. This we had a couple of meetings with That's them. A good lesson to learn. Well, I learned it. Yep. Yeah, we had um with a couple of meetings with them, and then there was one long meeting. Now, right. And there was a lot of talk in the meeting, a lot. But they weren't saying nothing. Very, very little. Now, I'm talking about very, very few words. Yeah. So who so, was doing all the talking? Um, well, I don't want to say who was doing all the talking because we all... But there was a number of people in the room from the, the site. Well, they all got a few words in there. Yeah, yeah. As usual, I don't know how to shut up, so I sort of... You <laughs> talked the head off a hammer. So one of the things you said to me that I just want to bring up that you didn't mention uh, there was... You noticed that they didn't have any pens or papers or notepads or. Uh, but I brought that up to them. Yeah. I said to them, I said, um, "Have you a good?" I said to actually one of the one of the higher. Uh, I said, "You must have a great memory, have you?" What? Is it, why? What do you mean? He said. Well, I said, "Can you remember everything that we said at the last meeting?" 
Not really, he said. Because he knew if he had to say yes, I was going to ask him questions. Yeah. He said, not really. Well, so how are you going to how are you going to think of everything they were saying here today? Oh, I'll think of it, he said. Well, so if you can't think of everything we said in the last meeting, how are we going to think of this one in the next meeting? So I so said, where's your pen and paper? So that's a very bad, that's a very, it's a very good sign that you're showing absolutely no interest. Because surely you have a pen and paper to mark down certain little bits and pieces. You can't remember every word, every single word in a meeting. I can't, I, w- I wouldn't anyway. Now, when I say you'll, mem- you'll remember some of it, you probably remember a lot of it. But there's certain, there's important bits there that you need to write down. And they weren't showing that kind of interest at all. And these people, are, they're not just administration staff. These are in executive roles in Dublin City Council. Uh, yeah, but to be honest with you, um, what I found about them anyway was that they, they weren't very in, in, in intelligent in dealing with the situation. Yeah. That that was also annoying for me too. So do you think that, that they probably didn't even have a strategy? I, I don't know what they had. Because uh, look, they're smart people that have good jobs to get highly paid. Yeah. They're obviously trained, yeah, but at the same time, to me, they were seriously, genuinely degrading their intelligence. But the fact that they didn't have much to say, it, 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 in the end, it made us look stupid. We were doing all the talking. Well, maybe, maybe that is their their approach, their strategy, their way to win the negotiations without actually doing much. I'm guessing the strategy was where well, I look at. We're going to we're going up here. We're having a meeting with a lot of a lot of travellers. To be honest, they're, they're all angry. Yeah. They knew they were angry. Uh, and they knew the reasons why they were angry. So let's keep the cool here. Let them do all the talking. We're going to stay quiet. And by us agreeing with everything they say, then we're going to have no fight. Yeah, there'll be nothing for them when to I be angry When I say a fight, I don't mean like a physical fight. Yeah. I mean, look at we're going to We're going to give them, we're going to feed them what they, what they want to hear. Yeah. If, does that make sense? Yeah, you're you're almost you're almost allowing them or you guys to pour honey into your own ear. Yes, you know what I mean. That's right. Just sweeten yourself up. Absolutely. And they just sit in the room going, "Sure, we yeah. were at that meeting." But the thing about it is, when the meetings are finished, then yeah, and you're walking outside and you realize, hold it for one second, there's here. nothing, there's nothing to hold on to. Nothing happened there. Yeah. Only, <laughs> it's only, great. only, you have we, to admire that. No, this is it. Only we made fools of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, talking, they, and they still got paid for it. Talking, talking, yes. Talking, 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 thinking we made sense, thinking we were getting somewhere while we were in the meeting. <laughs> but we actually got nowhere. Badly. And it's living proof. Because that meeting was nearly 12 months ago. So step back a little bit. Had I turned up at this point? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So you were you were at one of the meetings after that again. I was at one of the meetings after that. So yeah. what happened was, uh, because you had been given design or plans for the new site and all at a previous they done meeting. A, they done a drawing up for the, for the um, it wasn't even a plan for the site. It yeah. was um, it was a drawing for the outside unit. Yeah. The day unit, as we call it. A day house. It was to extend that. So there's an existing day unit. A utility unit, is Like it? a utility unit, yeah. Well, it is really, yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's an extension of that utility unit. They wanted to extend. Which has like water, shower, washing machine, uh, ablutions, that's the word. They wanted to extend that. Yeah, yeah. And then um, when basically when everybody was sort of happy about about that part of it, there was a couple of more meetings. And then what happened to throw that in the bin again? Then they said it, they said it, decided, look, well, anyway, we, we can build your bungalow houses if you want. Right. So, of course, again, people were happy to hear this news again, weren't they? Come from Dublin City Council. 
So pouring more honey in your ear. Absolutely. And they're like kicking the can, pouring it down. And all the time they're, they're, they're progressing with at their this own stage, the ears, 100 million euro project. At this stage, the ears are getting full up and there's no more room for honey. <laughs> yeah, you they had you sweetened up. Yeah. So, was, so more fuel use. Absolutely, yes. One million percent. And I think that, you know, like, obviously you're not the first person to have the wool pulled over your eyes, to have honey poured in your ear, to pour honey in your own ear. Uh, you know, these strategies are used because they're successful. Well, if you're if you're trained to um to stay quiet, keep your mouth shut, keep your ears open, they didn't want to hear out the other, that's the, and you're getting paid for this, that's exactly what you're going to do. That's gangster. That's what you're going to do. Simple as. But it, that is gangster. That is genius. Like. And you get an extra wage for, the, for letting him talk more. So therefore, that's how it's going to be. They're going. That's, that, that is the, 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 the tactic they're going to use. And I've seen it. They have used it. And they have used it numerous times. Fair play to them. But, absolutely. But it took us a while to click onto it. Very good. And... When we when we when we clicked onto it, we felt like fools. <laughs> how else are you supposed to feel? Ah, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyway, they so how up. did you click onto it? I tell you because I tell you, I felt like a fool, so I clicked onto it. You were walking fact, out of the building. We're walking out of the building. Let's say empty-handed. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. Uh, not only empty-handed, like you felt like you had achieved something. Well, but listen, as soon as you opened the door, you realised we have nothing. Absolutely. We've less if you're than talking nothing. for two hours. We've less than nothing because all, all the all the anger that we even had is gone. Yes. If you're talking for two hours with a higher council man and you walk out that door and realise we, we didn't get anywhere here because there was no let's say there was no cross tackling, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was good. It was good for on, on their behalf, being yeah, honest about it. Very good. And it was also a good learning experience but, from you. Yeah, but it, it sort of toughened us up a little bit then, right? Yeah. Because what happened was then, they decided then we're going to, they put the talk out for bungalows, right? Which is small houses, yeah? So, of course, everybody gets excited again and say, yeah, that'd be nice. And then uh, all of a sudden, right, when can they start this? Well, you can start this at such time. The months rolled on and nothing was happening. So we decided we're going to have some more meetings, didn't we? And what happened was then, um, one or two of them turned up the meeting. Some of them would, some of them wouldn't, but they just simply had no interest. Yeah. We knew this by at this stage. Along comes that, that depot then, yeah? Yeah. So at this stage then, everybody was genuinely angry. And I told you about what happened with the depot. So that was okay. So they came up there and made more promises. To let the depot go ahead. It's like you're a little child and they're saying, in November we're going Honestly, to Disneyland. This is the truth. They come up then and said, um, right, we're going to do this to site, we're going to do that to site. So now, not one, not just one person can have a say in this and say, look, no, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Obviously, you're going to say, okay, go ahead, do what you're going to do with the site, fix it up for the people that need it to fix it up, right? That was okay, they done a few little bits anyway. And the truth is, they brought a couple of cowboy, um, cowboy builders, as you call them. Yeah. And they were doing. Um, sure, that's all you deserve. The, the, uh, it was unbelievable the, 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 how low. I'm digging into you now a little bit here because I'm yeah. just exploring yeah, uh, right. that you's got, you were made a fool of and you enjoyed it almost. That's right. You know? The thing about it was, anyway, they, um, they brought in these guys who were supposed to do, uh, say, let's say, refurbishing the site, if you like. Yeah. And the works they were doing was actually leaving the site ten times worse. <laughs> and that's no lies or no I jokes. I can't stop laughing. I don't blame you. So there was more complaint than anything else then. Because they were, they were messing everything up. More complaining As where? bad as the site was. More complaining. From the people on the site. So what did they So what did they achieve? They achieved 
Nothing. Nothing. No. But they got used fighting and complaining. Yeah, that's right. Some of them said some of them said that they left the site like a like um a rundown building site. Yeah. And it's the truth it is. Um so anyway, nothing was happening. So ignorance again basically at that stage. But uh, what we went to, what, before that happened, before they sent lads in to do a bit of repairs and stuff, we went down and we did the protests. So that's when they start listening then, if you know what I mean. Which protest was this? It's like 12 months ago, nearly a year so ago. Was this the one that I done with you? Yeah, at the, at the Super Depot there in Ballymun. So what, what, um, we had a discussion and I kind of sensed a little bit of anger and that people that might end up uh, hurting someone or being in the back of a, a police van <laughs> and I said well that's an interesting way to do it that's an interesting strategy but have a listen to this yeah. there's different ways that we can do it that's right and we've done a few different things one is we didn't call it a protest we call it a human rights picket that's right peaceful uh, but you have human rights as travellers and a picket is something that uh, the idea of a picket is really interesting because the the workers on that site had to make a conscious decision whether or not they were going to cross a picket line. And it's very hard for people to cross a picket line uh, because they have to go in inside their head and inside their consciousness and go, what am I doing here? Who are these people in front of me? They, they can't really be angry at you. It's not like you are, are pushing them or you are blocking them. You're basically walking around in a circle with some placards that say, one of the placards says, you don't get to be racist and Irish, which is a quote from Imelda May. That's right. Another one uh, said, um, we want homes. Very basic stuff, like, you know? Yeah, disgraceful. Uh, so, you were on walking the, around the, with them. Disgraceful on the council's behalf. It, it is disgraceful, but look, to be honest, like, they the don't... The thing about it was, right? When well, just let me say this. It was disgraceful, but they don't really... They're not interested in whether or not it was disgraceful or not. They're not that. interested in shame. This is what, this is the point it's not a to. game that they play. That's a game that you play. This is what I was trying to say, right? The funny thing about it is, right, that when this all happened, Dublin City Council went into, into uh, let's say, into a panic, if you like, and they decided to agree with everything that they're going to help out on the site and fix this and fix that and sort this problem out and that problem out. But then they done it for a little while. But they've done it very, very, when I say very, how would you say it? Let's say the work that they were doing was very, very, very amateur. And I mean, there's nothing, uh, not that anybody was looking for professional work. Are you talking about the maintenance work around the city? Yeah, there was the lowest quality that you could possibly see. In so let's work. take let's take a little step back. This is after the protest. After the protest. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to the protest, right? Or the, the the human rights picket at half past six in the morning. Uh, you, me, and a couple of other lads from the site, uh, one or two younger people, about seven or eight of us all together. Yes. Got some uh, breadboards, made some signs, went down to the front gate of the site. Uh, stood there and chatted uh, amongst each other to kind of come up with a strategy. And the strategy was hold the placards and walk around in a circle and have a human rights picket. And when the workers started to arrive from about seven o'clock, we were at a point where we didn't have to do anything else then because the workers done all the thinking for us, as in they wouldn't pass the picket. Well, let's put it this way. The saddest part of all was telling the workers that they couldn't go in there. Yeah. Because through, through the fault of Dublin City Council, it, it actually wasn't nice to see that these lads, young and old, and turning up for a day's work 
and be told, lads, you can't go in there, and it's not our fault, it's through Dublin City Council, they can fix this problem if they want, and everything is... But the reality of it is, those lads weren't, they weren't losing wages that no, day. No, I understand They were that. still getting paid that day. Yeah. And what we were trying to do was, we were trying for them lads not to go in. That's what we were. That's what we were trying to achieve. I understand that, yeah. But at the same time, the, there was actually a lot of nice lads there. There's no doubt about that. And then we started sort of chatting with them. Then, so they understood like they weren't the problem. Yeah, and we 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 weren't trying to test their character or blame them no, or no or anything. Way. What we were saying was, as a group of people holding the picket was. Uh, it was a human rights picket saying the human rights of this group of travellers in this part of Ballymun are being violated by their landlord uh, who run the city and are called Dublin City Council. That's right. They just, they just weren't listening. Yeah. And that's the reason we were there. Eventually, anyway, they, um, they came to some little agreements, done a few bits on the site. So it wasn't eventually because we were there at half past six. I just want to go through a step by step so people understand what we've done because not everybody does this. Yeah, and right. Travellers don't do this. You know what I mean? Yeah, Travellers right. do not do this. It does not common. Do not hold protests. It's not common in the history of the state for travellers to have successfully held protests or human rights pickets. Okay, welcome on board. Okay, so welcome on board. This is what we're doing now. This is the new way to do it. By half past nine, we went there at half past six. By half past nine, you were talking to an executive Officer from Dublin City Council. That's right. And when I mean an executive officer, I mean somebody who was prepared to make decisions and spend money immediately. That's right. Yeah, they rang. They, they rang me, and we just um, we literally hung up the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. Deadly. Yeah. Lovely. So while, while they were possibly losing the hundred grand a day hours, on their side, couple of hours passed, and they rang me phone again, and I just said, "Look at the set." I answered the phone at this stage. I said. We had a, an agreement. I said, you pull the plug on it. I said, you're going to fix it. Simple as. So I hung up the phone again. Let's be honest about it. I did that. Because we were angry, yes. Angry with the fact that we're being ignored for so long and nothing getting done. And not even being, literally not even recognised, to be honest about it. So what I realised there was Dublin City Council up until that point had all of the power and none of the responsibility. And I've said this numerous times, but I want to just drill it home to people. And at that moment, specifically at half past nine on that morning, you had the power. That's right. It looked like like that. You had the power then. For the first time possibly um, in your life that you would have had some sense of power uh, in the situation that you were in. Well, let's put it this way. In dealing with them, for the first time, this was the first time they wanted to talk. They were the ones that wanted to talk. Yeah. Instead of us wanting to talk to them, they wanted to talk to us. And they wanted you to listen. So now now they had, um, say, ourselves, the travellers, ignoring them. But they wanted you to that's, listen. That's an that's, important point. Because that's how it was gone. That was, that's, the way they, that's the way that they led it. They led, they led us down this, down this road. Do you understand? Yeah. So this, this is where, where it ended then for them, at that stage. So anyway, so I just want to come in there. People might be listening to this going, uh, uh, they're talking about travellers. We're not. We're talking about power and negotiating and protest and, protests, and human yes. rights pickets and different strategies that can be used and different ways to achieve your outcome, to have a successful campaign. Yeah, it does. It just, as you said, it just doesn't have to be about travellers. No. Because like you said, 
this is this was probably the first time you've ever heard of travellers doing um I I've never heard of it. Possibly there was some done, I don't know, throughout Ireland or whatever. But um so how can I be just about travellers if it was this if this was the first picket for us ever to do? Or say this morning doing our other one again. We had no choice. Well I, I don't like Because we were back at square one again. Yeah, obviously travellers have protested and it has been successful, some of them. But I don't think ever in the history of the state has such a small group of people been able to get leverage against a big power like Dublin City Council. Yeah, and true. the only reason you got leverage is because they had something in the game that they were afraid to lose. Yeah. And that was basically days of work on their super depot. I think, anyway, I'm not 100% certain about this, but I think what, um, what really pushed them back was the fact that we were voicing our opinions. Yeah, but you were voicing your opinion. You would voice your opinions before, but you were, advo- you were voicing it. No, but we done it in a different way now. In a different way. We had photographs. We had a human rights picket. Right. We had uh, young travellers with big social media profiles. I was going to say that. It was all over the media. It was all over the media. Yeah. Um, we had um, big Twitter um, followers retweeting and sending our um, support all support all support all the allies we had professors doctors other travellers um, people in the media supporters supporters and um, we all know now how po- how powerful social media is how powerful Twitter is in Ireland um, and how powerful a protest can be, and he, and now with with that megaphone of Twitter or Instagram or social media, yes, um, how powerful a very simple, humble protest can be. That's right. Yeah, that was the beauty about it. In 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 one sense, was that it was nice and peaceful. Uh, the guards turned up on both occasions, and basically there was no uh, there was no young lads there like with a confrontation or anything like that. It was explained to them in a in a in a in a, in a mannerly way that I think one of the things that helped you there one was you had uh, someone like me there. Yes. Um, thing I don't want you always eating all them. Sugar I'm not. I'm not. But it's very important. I I I am obviously not a traveller. And when a guard turns up to me, well, I'll tell you why. It when, was, a guard, when a guard turns up to a group of travellers, yes, and he sees somebody there that that's not a traveller. That's right. That has a little bit of control over the situation. Yeah. And he's talking openly with another traveller man who also has control. They get confused. Yes. Um. I think it was good that you were there. Actually, yeah, because um, you sort of like. You gave us direction there, mm-hmm. showing us how to organise this and how to sort of deal with it when certain members of the, the public turned out or like say the, the builders themselves or Dublin City Council or even the Gardaí. Should we have the local shop so, fella drop down teas and coffees and, and cakes? Yeah, that's, well, that, was, that was more support, wasn't it? You know what I mean? And and that's, like, if you turn yeah, up to like, a protest... That was like saying fair play to you, lads. If, if it's a traveller protest and there's... There's burkos and teas and coffees and bones yes. and we were playing music and all. That's right, I remember that. You know what I mean? And we had smiles in our face and you know when we when we weren't uh, when we weren't angry we had smiles in our face we had conversations we the were only, chatting to people. The only thing we were short was a couple of tents and a campfire. <laughs> a bit of an old thing, so yeah. bringing back tradition. Sure, why not? Why not? Why not have a protest like that? Why not have fun at a protest? Uh, because you're more you're more likely to get. Uh, women and children and other people out supporting you. You're more likely to come across 
well in the media. Yeah. It's hard to I mean, hard, it's hard to Rona, hang a couple of fellas who are having a bit of crack on a protest. Yeah, Rona was there the same day too, wasn't she? And, uh, so Rona was there. So that's another element that, that we, I kind of brought to the protest. One was I signed or helped sign Martin up to a union. Yeah. Uh, and in this case specifically, it was Unite uh, the Union. Yeah. Uh, so Martin is now a member of Unite the Union. Um, wow. Which means like... You've just got someone else in your corner. That's right. You've got a union that well, has huge, a, huge membership and huge experience. We needed, we needed support behind. Let's be honest, truthful about it. Yeah. Because let's be honest, uh, at the first time that we ever did a, a protest, um, we were doing it anyway. Yeah. No matter what, but it was great to have the support and the guidance to to, to do it right. Be honest about. It. Yeah, and I, I like I don't know if what you had done the previous days was you. I don't know if you how many times you could have done that before they, they just well, we done shut the, it down. The previous days of when we said we shut the place down first, yeah, was um, we talked about it. Yeah. We basically, all the young lads were to stay in the back line, if you like. Yeah. And like so myself and one or two of the older fellas, not older, but say my age, yeah. Yeah. Um, do, the, do the talking, basically. Why? Because young lads are very easily wound up. Yeah. And they can get, uh, how would you call it? They can get fairly tempered well, easily. Well, they might want to use aggression. This is what I'm talking about. As, as, as they can a get tool. fairly tempered easily. Yeah. And then there's liable to be a bit of cheek coming across there. And like, they, can also, the problem they can also is, be lured into a fight really easy. Uh, yeah, they can do. But the problem was that for that to happen wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't have been fair to the workers, the builders, as we call them, because this was nothing got to do with them. But if Dublin City Council could get those young travellers. Uh, horn wind, abuse and wind them up bashing people blah 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 yes it, the, it would suit them down to the ground so that was all talked about and that never happened great so there was great there was great communication between, between ourselves and these guys the, the builders they, they came from all over Ireland like, they came from Northern Ireland to do their work basically and as I said in the end there was good communication so these, these are so the lads on the side when we explained to them what the situation was yeah to be honest with you, they were, they were literally on our side. Yeah, well, they're workers. They're not bosses. They're not they managers. Fully they're understood. not executive officers. They're not on a hundred grand a year. Now you have it. They fully understood where we were coming from. And they basically look at fair play to you boys. Why so not? these are the lads in the super depot that you're talking. Uh, how many do you think is working up there? And uh, now there's between, there's between 100 and 120 men there. Now. 120 men and this is Between Dublin City Council's and 120. This is possibly Dublin City Council's largest project in the city for It is moving years. very fast though it's moving fast Yeah. So based on what you're saying this morning there was 120 men out of work which was completely and totally and utterly disgraceful yeah. on Dublin City Council's behalf So, so what we happened? did not want to do this So this morning so you rang me last. I talked to you last night. Yesterday evening, yeah. And you said, "Look, there might be uh, there might be another protest." Actually, what I done was ten o'clock last night. I put up on Twitter. Um, I said it's one year since our last protest. That's right. Not a lot has changed. It's time to turn up the heat. Yes. And basically, and and I copied Dublin City Council in on it. Yeah. But basically, told them at ten o'clock the night before. We're going to do this again. Mm. And at half past six in the morning, you and a couple of lads turned up the again. The thing about it was, we never told Dublin City Council we were doing a protest. Yeah, yeah. You see? I did. You did. I told them on Twitter. That's at, right. At 10 o'clock. But we uh, we had no uh, no plans of leaving them wise to the situation. Yeah. 
Do you understand? So therefore, we turned up this morning at like six o'clock and it was a shock to them again. So I'm going to explain to you why I done that. Why at 10 o'clock the night before that I done it was one was to prove or to test the fact that one is they're asleep at the wheel and the other one is they don't give a rats about you. I know that. They just don't give a rats. But the funny thing about it is I know how Dublin City Council operate now anyway. I don't take no pride in doing in doing protests for starters. Yeah. Because as I said, I would back to the one thing you're stopping men from going to work. Literally feel ashamed of it. I'd rather I would rather not be there. But we didn't have no options. Dublin City Council gave us no options. Because why? They weren't listening. They weren't doing anything. They were um oh I don't know how to say this. They were there was no contact whatsoever, literally. So uh this, let's fill people in. Twelve months ago, we done a protest. Um, they came back immediately and said, "Look, whatever you want, we'll do." They started to do some light maintenance around the area. It wasn't very good. There's some cowboy builders in. To be honest, they done more damage than good. Um, what they did do was there's some there was a number of caravans on the site that were 20, 30 years old. Yes, and they had replaced a number of them. That's why the press um, But they did say, "Look, we're going to." Um, consult with you uh, like a full collaboration on a redesign of the whole project and we'll meet every four weeks Yeah, uh, and and the, the, the meeting and the development and all that, th- that type of stuff didn't uh, happen I think one of the reasons they replaced a number of the caravans was possibly because the attention that we brought to the situation yeah. but also what what happened in previous sites like Carrick Mines where there was fires and families had passed away families yeah. had, had had died like the thing about it was that they did they did they did replace a few caravans yeah but the main the main objective was that um we needed um like housing basically yeah bungalows if you like there was room there for bungalows 30 bungalows yeah which you could call them cottages if you like right to say that right um, so that was the main drive, as you call and, it. And the reason you need them is... So therefore... That, that we had discussed that previously, is that uh, the caravans uh, are grand during the summer, but during the winter months... Yeah, we talked all about it's, that, it's, didn't it's we? A, it's, a, it's affecting your health. But I just want, just want to make it clear for people uh, that why travellers on this site now are looking for day homes to be built. Right. Or bungalows to be um, built. Well, um, I was saying about the bungalows. Yeah. That was the main. Uh, that was the main issue, basically. Right. So what they done? They said, "Look, we give them a couple of caravans here for the time being." Yeah. And they did. They brought on a few caravans, but then the bungalows were out the window. Then there was no more talk about housing. No more talk about what they call it group housing, bungalows, cottages, call them whatever you want. There was absolutely no word about them off the And there was no meetings. Because as far as Dublin City Council was concerned, they had done their duty and that's it. We put a few caravans on the site. Look, let's walk away again. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did do. They walked away again. So now you have a couple of caravans on the site. You have other people, say, needing things on their, on their, on their bays. And also some needing caravans as well. Right, which is temporary accommodation. Until... We we um we try and tackle the problem with accommodation again, which is bungalows, right? So again, they ignored all of that. They went away from it, and for months and months and months. Now we haven't um. Let's say we haven't heard from them in a long, long time. Now we're talking about maybe seven or eight months anyway, right? There's one guy that comes out. They do send him out. Sort of, he's the only 
let's say the only communication between Dublin City Council yeah. and the travellers on that site. So what happened then, this this arose then again to, was the cause of having another protest, which was this morning. Yeah. So then, um, same story again, they sent somebody out again from Dublin City Council again to talk to the travellers. What's the story here? Story is here, nobody's listening. Basically, nobody wants to know what's going on in that site there. But they do know, but they're ignoring it. Let's say it's like a merry-go-round. Yeah. It's the one thing over and over and over and over and over. So you're literally, I'll, I'll give you a small bit of, uh, one time we had a meeting, yeah? Mm-hmm. And the meeting was going on and on and on and on. I went on for about two solid hours. Again, we met at points and were, no man. I said to the, one of the one of the council members that was there at the meeting, I said, why, um, why do we have this problem, I said. I said, um, you're um, basically you're a senior official in the in the in the in Dublin City Council. I said you have great power in there, so as far as I'm concerned. And I said, um, I said, is that right? yeah? She said, I said you have the money in there. Is that right? Well, she said to me, um, like before I said this was true in the the sixty nine million euro thing, yeah, that the government handed to Dublin City Council for to help out specifically help out travellers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not to hand them money like pocket money. Just do the fix the basics need to be fixing. Yeah, traveller specific bu- budget yes, for accommodation and maintenance. Yeah. yeah. So she turned. She said, "Look," she said, "money is not the problem. Money is not a problem." She said. So I said, "Okay, that's fine." I said, "Why are we sitting here?" She said, "What do you mean?" I said, "You're telling me." I said, "Right, number one." I said, "You're a senior official in the in Dublin City Council." I said, "No," which means you have power again. Number two, I said, "You're telling me money is not the problem." So I said, if you have both of them things, why are we sitting here for the past two hours discussing problems? I said, that means you're not doing your job. So if you were doing your job, we wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't be calling meetings. Yeah. We wouldn't be discussing this situation in the first place. So basically she had no answer to that, like, you know. So I think I was at that meeting. That was one of the meetings that this executive officer, uh, we won't mention her no, name. No, no names. Won't give no names. Uh, but she brought along a guard with her. The same time, yeah, the guard was there. Yeah, was so she's bringing a guard to a meeting. I, I, and I, we were kind of asking, is this the norm for all the meetings that you go to? Do you bring a guard along to a meeting? Or is it just the ones where there's travellers yeah. and they're looking for their accommodation rights? Um, so let's just put it into context. Dublin City Council manage Dublin. Yeah, they're the largest landlord. They're not schoolboys. They have a massive legal team. Um, they're responsible for making a lot of decisions and spending a lot of money or not spending a lot of money. They're responsible for handling a lot of money. They're a w- very well resourced, set up organization. Yeah. Okay, and they're going toe-to-toe against a group of uh, travellers beside a super depot and for the last 30, 40 years have been basically, uh, you know, doing cowboy work, cowboy maintenance um, and calling that work, calling that progress, calling that, uh, you know, servicing their tenants. So I have no problem in closing down uh, super depots by doing a human rights picket. I'll do that all day, every day, um, because I think what's more important is your community. Uh, the young people, the adults, the older people, uh, the health, the education, the mental health of your community 
for me, is number one all day long, as opposed to these guys, Super Depot. That's number one. Because without community, without health, what do we have? We've got buildings that are making profit for people. Strange thing I couldn't understand with Dublin City Council was that the site where we live, yeah? Yeah. There's a big housing estate. That was a little bit of a rant, sorry. I just want to get all that out. Yeah, there's a big housing estate behind us, around one side of the site. Yeah. Then you have another row, row of houses down at the back of the site. Yeah. You have a, a big factory down on the other end of the site. And then you have Dublin City Council building that depot on the entrance of the site. So, again, why would Dublin City Council want uh, a site looking so rough that they should have looked after? Now, don't get me wrong, on that site, we do our, we do our best to keep it looking well. And we have done for years. Um, what happens was then that one of them, the your man that came on there, the new guy, I said five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago, he took the um, he took the caretaker off the site. Now, the care this caretaker was great; he was a good caretaker, and he used to get on well with the people on the site. If you know what I mean, so there was no hassle there basically. So this guy coming along and talking, he knew it all, and let's say if you want to say he was using the bullying tactics. So finally. He was told not to come onto the site, not to, not to have nothing. In other words, not be dealing with travellers' issues no more. Nobody wanted to talk to him or deal with him or phone him or wanting another because he, he just simply hadn't got an interest. But uh, the other side of it was that the site itself, yeah, we do look after it. We paint up all our walls, keep the place tidy. Do we, like it's, it's, up to, it's obviously up but to the But you're not plumbers, you're not electricians. No, that's right. You but know what I mean? On the other side of it, we look after our site the best we can you know what I mean? Yeah, and just like everybody, you look after the stuff that's inside your caravan or inside your bay that you can. And sometimes it, it, outside as well, a little bit on, on the outer areas kind of thing. Yeah, well, like sleep, sweeping the streets and all that type yeah. of stuff. But you're not there Like you're not there to, to lay tarmac. You're not there to um, to fix elect- electrical problems, plumbing problems, problems with sewage and toilets and all that type yeah, of stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's stuff, not what you're there for. Stuff, there's, con- there's people contracted to do that. Stuff that hasn't been repaired in 25 years. Yeah. and Obviously, uh, we around here, there's going to be some sort of damage going to come on there, like, you know? Uh, so, the reason I think uh, I'm interested in discussing this is because travellers don't talk about this stuff or they don't have an opportunity to talk about it or they mightn't... Uh, they mightn't even know that they can talk about it and have people listen to them because they haven't been listened to for a while. And not just travellers, but, for example, working class people as well. And it's one of the reasons why I protested uh, for to try and eradicate homelessness. Yeah. It's because it affects working class people uh, in the majority. I'm not saying there's no middle class people who aren't homeless, but the majority of working class people, yes. or the majority of homeless people in this country are working class people. The majority of homeless people in Dublin, um, like 70% of all the homeless people in Dublin are from a big working class corner from Blanchestown to Ballymun. Yeah. Um, but we don't speak up about it because we don't know how to. And even if we did, what's the point? We don't get listened to. That's the problem, yeah. The, the, the listening part is the problem. So what, what I decided to do was use all of my connections, network, knowledge, information, wisdom, resources, whatever it was, bring a group of people together um, and do something that would get the attention 
of not just the people in power, but the people beyond them as well. Yes. And kind of embarrass the people who are the, the decision makers. Yeah, you have to shame them. Yeah. You have to, if, if, if you don't shame them, then there are problems then. But you have to shame them. When you voice your opinion and make it heard, they, they, these people don't want you to talk. They don't want you, they want you to be backing off all the time. But there's different ways to embarrass them or shame them. And I think one of the ways that we can do it is human rights is a well, really it's interesting going, it's, it's going public, isn't it? Yeah, but using your human rights because then they have to answer yeah. beyond uh, the Dáil or beyond Dublin City Council's headquarters yeah. or beyond any City Council's headquarters. Oh. So you have to answer then on the global stage or, or in Europe. Well, what I do know anyway, when we had that first, uh, that first protest, there was, as we thought, there was a good outcome. But the thing about it is then, after a, while, a little while then, it stopped again. Yeah. So this morning, when we done the other, uh, we done another um, protest, picket, I won't discuss the outcome, but again, there was a good outcome. So what I'm encouraging and, you to and do... And very, very fast also. What I'm encouraging you to do, and I think you've so done I this well. So I think it is good to have, um, I think it is good to have protests. Yeah. Um, peaceful protests, without a doubt. And you benefit from that. And also, basically, the fact that it is a peaceful protest, it means um, it means that you can, let's say, be more controlled in your words, if you like. Yeah. About of of who's approaching you, like so the guardy or the people on the on the building sites or whoever you're protesting against or beside or whatever it might be. Yeah, I think I think being more strategic, being less emotional. Yes. I'm not saying don't have emotions in it because emotions are I- interesting as well. But what I think what you have realised is have a very clear objective yes. and know when we have achieved our objective. Because sometimes, like those meetings before, you thought you had achieved your objective, but you walked out the room and said, we didn't get anything empty, there. Yeah, empty, basically empty-handed, yes. We, we felt like there was nothing, nothing happened. Literally, you feel like it was a waste of time having them meetings. But just at the end of it, when everyone's standing up, you feel like you've got it. But as soon as you get to the door, go out yeah, to the fresh air, that's right. and smell the coffee, and you realise... Yeah, no, you, you, you realise... <laughs> You realise you, you were a jackass. You were swindled. <laughs> you were swindled and they didn't even have to say it. Yes. It's brilliant. That, that was, it was good though, but it was only, as I said, it took, it took a little bit of time to learn that. Yeah. So now I know it, and if I ever have a meeting again with Dublin City Council, I'm going to be sitting there, and believe me, they do the talking. But also, like, you're using words that I, I think are very interesting, like objective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, strategy. Tactics, yeah, stuff like that. But this is what this this was the the case. And I think there's a next level to it. And I think to use words like legislation, yeah, litigation, uh, and and by litigation I mean by bringing people to uh, to courts, yes. putting them up on trial in the European Human Rights Court and so on. These are all um, tools that are available to you yeah um, and because you're travelling people or because you're working class people or marginalised people there are funds available to yeah. help you do this that are set up to help you bring those people who have all the power and none, none of the responsibility to task yes that's because that's interesting but um, I think um, well at times you think it anyway you'd be forever fighting with them because they don't. They, they still don't seem to care anyway, no matter what. They're not. They're not gonna care. They're not gonna care. Their objectives are the 
180 degree opposite of your objectives. They always will be. Right. As soon as you swallow that pill, the better. That's right. So if you continue to fight or to play their games by their rules, you're always going to lose. That's right. 100%. So what you need to do is grow up a little bit, wake up a little bit, educate right. yourself a little That's bit, right. mix with people who are having successful uh, campaigns, yes. learn from them, um, support other people. Like soon at the doll, there's uh, a big campaign that I know uh, there's a lot of traveller women are involved in. And hopefully, myself and yourself and a couple of other lads from St. Margaret's will go down and just stand there and be with them in solidarity. And you'll understand the value of solidarity because with numbers comes strength, comes networks, comes um, resources, comes experience and so on. And sometimes um, we don't see the value of connecting with other people because we're going, oh, they're not doing exactly what we're doing. Yes. But we are. Yes. We're... we're we're protesting and we're or, we're organising to um, to achieve our objectives. That's basically all we're doing, regardless yes. of what the objective is or what the specific protest is about. Yes. Because this week it's housing, but next week it might be mental health or education or you know whatever. For all the various reasons, basically, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so look, as I said, Dana, it was worth, worth giving it a try, and yeah, we, there was uh, there was. Good results. The fact that um, there was a protest. Being honest about, it, if there was no protest, there'd be absolutely no movement. Nothing would be happening at all whatsoever, because that's how it has been for so long, and nothing, absolutely nothing changed. So yes, I would recommend if, um, for instance, whatever, let it be travellers or settled people. I don't know, um, and there's something like there's some situation where you have this thing where the councils are not sort of on their sides and they feel that they're against them and they're not doing and they're being ignored. I think, yeah, standing up and voicing the opinion and some sort of a protest, I think it does help, to be honest about it. And it's not just councils. We're just, we're, we're no, just ripping just, into no, the I'm council only, because it's just well, yeah, because, um, let's say we, our, our issue was the council. Our experience was with the so council, exactly. So that's why I'm sort of talking about But it about could be a company, now. it could be a government... Uh, yeah, it could be whatever, uh, but yeah, getting involved. You use the word movement there, so sometimes when people talk about a campaign that's really catching legs, they yeah. go, "It went from a campaign into a movement." Yes, and that's something that we've seen in this country in the last couple of years with different referendums that we've had. They turned into movements, and maybe one day there might be an actual uh, movement from from within the traveling people where we force the issue. You know what I mean? We had like, what I call like a tokenistic recognition of ethnic status a couple of years ago. But as I say, it's tokenistic. It doesn't actually mean anything in, no. in the real world. Nothing has changed because this piece of paper was signed or because somebody stood up in the doll and, you know, said a few words about uh, ethnic status. That's right. But I'd say the main, um, the main thing will be just uh, whatever, whatever they'll be doing is do it peaceful. Doing a peaceful is an yeah. interesting strategy, yeah. Don't give um don't give these people the opportunity to have you to have you standing in court, let's put it that way. Yeah. Or in the back of some uh, some car van or some Or in a hospital. Whatever, some cell or something like that there. So you know, think, with the I head thumped off you and the I eyes sprayed off you with mace for, or something. Yes, for absolutely nothing. I think the peaceful uh, the peaceful side of it is what gains results in, in these things. 
So I think as a basis, have peaceful. But like I've seen a lot of peaceful protests in 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 Ireland and in Dublin over the last number of years. You know, during COVID and so on. But what they lack, for my uh, opinion, is a, a clear strategy, clear steps, a clear objective. Um, what resources are required? Uh, who's actually going to do the work? Um, how do we know when we win? Uh, you know, having these types of things set up in in your group are important because otherwise you're just aiming in any direction. Then you're and you're liable to be pulled down any old road. You know, you are. But I think what you probably need. I'm not saying now I know all about protests or I know all of this all of a sudden because I've only done two altogether. Yeah, but I've learned a lot from them. And I think you need to be careful about basically. Let's say you need to be careful about the other side trying to uh, intimidate you. Oh, yeah, so very good, yeah. it could easily lead you down the anger road, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And then you could simply, you could easily get in trouble over us. Yeah, and it could also lead you down the road, because I've seen this in you, and I've seen it in myself as well, is just doing too much and taking too much on and not being able to spread it out across a couple of people. Yes. You know what I mean? And what happens is, it affects you, it affects your relationship uh, in your family and so on. You're yeah. up till three or four o'clock in the morning well, that's too many times. Th- that's all the it. pressure side of it, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's not easy. I know that for sure it's not easy. Definitely not easy. I think you've learned that in the and last also, year. And also, I'll tell you what, what, what uh, it takes. Well, it takes um, it takes a lot of time to build up courage to actually do it. Yeah. Because you you sort of don't know where it's leading, the best, where it's going to lead kind of thing. Unless you can hold your your head together, as a fellow would say, but um, I think um, the courage side of it is taking the first step. Yeah, yeah, and after that, it gets easy. And one of the four steps is realizing I can't do all this on my own. It's actually all right to, uh, to put your hand out and go. Is there anyone else there that yeah, can give you a bit need of support? Someone else to stand beside you, kind of thing. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't think I don't think anyone could do it on their own, even even if they tried. Yeah, but sometimes the issue is an individual issue, and then we realise, oh my god, this is affecting five, ten, hundred, five thousand other people. Yes. Can I reach out to them? Would they be interested in listening to me or telling me about their situation? Can we learn from each other? Have they done stuff that has failed before that I can learn from? Yeah. Uh, or have they done s- stuff that's successful? I would say the majority of protests that happen fail, uh, and there's loads of learning in that. Yes, you know what I mean. Learn, l- learn, learn through failing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and don't be afraid to just do it and fail, and you know, make a mess of it. In other words, don't let it, don't let it, don't let it make you give up. Don't, yeah, and don't let the objective if you don't achieve it straight away, uh, break your heart, because yes. it can, and it could drive you, it could drive you demented, like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's one of the things that happened to me when I uh, I done Apollo House. Well, one one I realized here's a few of the lessons very quickly. Did you actually you actually open up Apollo House? Is that right? Yeah, I planned it. Yeah. Um, organized people to come together. Yeah. Uh, picked out the building. Um, invited other people to get involved with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was that for all the homeless people? Yeah. Basically, what I was trying to do was prove a point. Because it was 100 years after 1916, it was the week before Christmas, and people from my community were dying on the streets. As I said before, 20% of all the homeless people from Dublin are from Ballymun. So how did you actually get all the homeless people to to come into it? 
Uh, well, for a number of weeks, I had I would have having meetings in the union actually that you're a member of. Right. I asked them, could I have a meeting in here, uh, like a homeless? What did we call it? Homeless empowered meeting or something like that. Um, and I would I, I would bring a number of homeless people in, people who are not necessarily all street sleepers, but some people who are staying in like uh, hostels and so on or yes. uh, hubs and all this type of stuff. Bring them in, have meetings with them, and some people who are r- running soup kitchens as well. In, into it, Apollo House. No, into uh, a meeting room. That you were organising, yeah. Yeah, into a meeting room in in United's office in Abbey Street in Dublin. Right. Um, and some people were running soup kitchens and so on so I'm saying okay lads for the next couple of weeks keep an eye out on people who you think we might be able to get into a building if we get a building and then I had to go off and talk to people about getting a building and then I realised we're going to have to have say um, a legal team or a financial team or a social media team you know what I mean and kind of pulled that together over maybe a two month period right Um, and this was like say from September to December 2016. Right. But what I was, although you did the meetings, yeah? Yeah. Was it people that was sleeping on the streets or people from the homeless shelters that was coming to it? Uh, our objective was mainly the people who were sleeping on the streets because the people who were staying in hostels, they had accommodation. Yeah, I was going to say, they had was still about 160 people in that month of December, which is really cold, right. sleeping on the streets. And people, um, I think what we've learned since was about one or two people a month were dying on the streets. Yes. Now, there was probably 20 or 30 people a year dying in the hostels anyway. Right, yes. Um, And those figures have come out uh, since. But a couple of people were dying on the streets. And what I was trying to prove was for that month of December, January 2016, could we set up something where nobody died on the streets? Yes. So what this is what this is very in, interesting because this is how you know. So we set ourselves an objective. So how did I know if I achieved the objective or not? Because after a month, we just looked and went, "Did anyone die on the streets?" No, no, they didn't. So we achieved our objectives. That was good. You know what I mean? And then the other objective was to start a national conversation. So now the people that were sleeping on the streets yeah, yeah. that didn't know about the meetings. How did they know they had a place to go to when you opened the Apollo House? Because the people who were coming to the meetings were also homeless and they went out. So they spread the word out basically. Spread the word out at the soup kitchens and Brilliant. in spots they were sleeping in and so on. So the Apollo House was opened up and, you could, and everyone was welcome basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we would have sent people around the streets as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, like volunteers going, look, there's a building up here. Uh, and then we were brought to the high court and the judge said, look, you can only have 40 in at a time for health and safety reasons. And a man who was on the streets? I'd say about 160. What was it going to do for the other, uh, the other 80? Who? The judge. Uh, nothing. So what was he doing the week before? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, so basically he was saying to you, right, 120 people on the streets. 160 probably. 160. We want you to take 40 in. You're only allowed to take 40 in, maximum. Right. And let the other ones die with hunger, is that it? Uh, well, cold. they... See, the thing about street sleepers or, or rough sleepers in Dublin is they don't really get counted uh, that often. So nobody knows how many there is. So they could just ignore ignore them and go, yeah. actually, uh, we're being told by Dublin City Council that these people don't actually exist. And for the ones that are rough sleeping, there's loads of hostels or there's loads of beds or there's loads of places for them to sleep. Now, some of them are being offered 
there's a place called Merchant's Key and somebody were being offered yoga mats on the ground like 50 yoga mats in a room serious you go in at 10 o'clock at night and you're up at 8 o'clock in the morning that was the solution so you can see what, what would motivate me and other people to take over yeah. a building that was previously lying empty for six years yeah that was a former um social welfare office yeah like it was owned by the state and it was lying empty so we just took it over and put um homeless people into it disgrace isn't it yeah it's uh, it's it was an, good it's, on your behalf it's interesting but it's an absolute disgrace that's actually happening in the first place these people really don't deal in disgrace or shame no. they deal they deal in power and money so do you think um do you think that um let's say Dublin City Council yeah yeah the corporation the members of the government do you think that they sleep in their own workplaces this is a there's, silly there's, trick there's actually uh, because of of the accommodation crisis or the housing crisis now there was a Fianna Fáil TD a couple of weeks ago say I sleep in my car are you serious and I slept in the office yeah that yeah. was a sarc- recently yeah, yeah right because they were saying hotel prices at 200 euro a, a, a night yeah, but is he is he being smart? I was that was a sarcastic question I was asking. Right, I was being sarcastic. Right now, the reason I was saying this to you, right, that's actually a good thing what you're telling me there now. I didn't know that because he gets a smell. He gets a smell of reality now. This, yeah, but is he getting a smell of reality, or is he just trying to say, look at, if it's okay for me, it's okay for them. Maybe that could, could be, be it. Now could these people do get a hundred and twenty euro a night. Yeah, uh, paid if they have to stay in a hotel. These, uh, which people now? This this uh, Fianna Fáil uh, yeah. TD. Yeah. They get, get, they get an be, allowance of 120 could quid. Could it be that he's pulling a good stunt there? It could be, yeah. And it's good enough for me to sleep in my car. So it's good, so, it's good so, enough for that family. So it reached the newspapers, did it? Oh, it was all over the newspapers. Well, then it worked for him then. Yeah. So he's he he's he's saying here, look at, uh, if I can sleep in a car, why you can know, they not? You know what it reminds me of? What? The honey that was poured into your ear back in Absolutely, that room. Absolutely, 100%. Yes. Now, the reason I was saying about it does, uh, no, I never heard of that thing which you're saying there about uh, this government guy sleeping in a car, okay? Well, it only happened recently, like this week. I never, genuinely, I never heard of it, right? It was coincidence I asked that question. The reason I asked that question was do these government officials or councillors or corporations with all the good jobs, yeah, highly paid, do they sleep in their offices? Generally, no. They don't. No, they don't. We all know that, right? Now, because what I'm saying is, are they ever at least walking on the streets? Do they walk from from an office to a car or a car to a shop or maybe a shop to a pub for a dinner or something like that there? Are they blind that they can't see the people lying on the streets, that the, the streets that they're actually walking on? Well, I'd say most of the streets that most of them walk on are close to government buildings and they probably would be, paved with red carpet. And they would be, yeah, they would be moved. Homeless people would be moved from those locations. So they'd be pushed along basically one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, but they do, you know, track up and down some of them up and down Dame Street or up and down O'Connor Street. So Where? you'd want to literally be blind not to see the hundreds of people on the street. Well, suppose I'm right. Suppose we have one of these lads, as I said, is recording the high up guys, right? whatever, a councillor or a corporation or Dublin City Council or a government official, whatever it might be. Supposing they decide to go for a bit of fresh air. Yeah. And they just throw their coat on and go for a stroll. Go for a 10-minute stroll, walk, or whatever it might be, yeah? Are you telling me in 10 minutes walking through Dublin that you won't see at least one homeless person sleeping on the street? 
what, no, what I'm saying is they see them. They just don't give a rats. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Of course you see them. They don't play that game. They play yeah. money and power. Yeah. You're playing sympathy and empathy and compassion and shame. You 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 uh, you turn almost like I've I'd say I've often driven down to the town to be driving my car there, yeah. And I just look and I see you spot someone lying on the ground, maybe with a plastic cover or a bit of cardboard or something, just throw over them, literally throw over them. And there's days it could be it could be raining, could be cold. If it's lucky, it'd be at least a dry day. If they're having it, it means they're going to have a good day if it's dry for them. But look, it's 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 the middle of summer now in yeah. uh, Dublin, right? Yeah. And it's freezing and it's, I was gonna it's say, raining. I was, I was going to say that. I thought you were giving, giving the summertime praises there. So we're in Did Ireland. Did you not like, know it's two days ago that we had teams of rain? Yeah, yeah. The rain was as heavy as could possibly be. Uh, so what I wanted to prove was there was people literally freezing to death. It's December. And I wanted to prove to myself and to everyone else in the country that for one month of the year, which is 100 years after 1916, in a government-owned NAMA building, which is empty for the last six years, that we could take 100 probably men and women off the streets and uh, for that month they wouldn't die. So we achieved that. Yeah, um, we achieved a lot, but at the same time, we di- you didn't get enough. You didn't get the way you wanted to be. Well, so the next one was to start a national conversation to end or eradicate homelessness, right? So what um, Apollo House and the, what we done that highlighted there was we forced homelessness and housing to be the number one issue yes. in the following election which forced Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael to join teams yes, and much. for Sinn Féin to excel in the polls. That's what we achieved. And Sinn Féin now, this month, um, are the strongest party in Northern Ireland and they're the strongest party in Southern Ireland as well. Right. Now, the difference between Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and Sinn Féin is that Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are the ruling party in this country for the last 100 years like literally for the last 100 years um, it's been one or either or both for the last 100 years and they're what's called a conservative neoliberal government right now, that might sound like a lot but that just means that they're interested in privatising and profit so tell me something do you know when uh, when the judge said to you about you can bring 40 people into Apollo house yeah give them beds give them food Give them clothes. It was all through donations. Is that right? Yeah. Um, what did they tell you to do with the other hundred, the other hundred, one hundred and twenty? As I said, they don't really count them, and they said, "Look, there's hostels there for you to go into, or there's beds, there's yoga mats in Merchants Key. Go but and the, sleep." But in there them. wasn't, was there? And and also, we've just opened up two other emergency accommodation places, which they didn't. They tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. So how did you manage to uh, clothe them anyway and feed them and give them, uh, say, beds? Well, the public gave in clothes and, and beds. and Yeah, I heard the public was Mattress Mick gave they? in beds and money. and uh, So we have to, say, gave well, to give a big shout out to the public, is it? Say, thanks be to God for the public. Well, there's there's a photograph of... They were doing the, they were doing the job that the, that the government's supposed to be doing. There's a photograph of people surrounding the building by hands, like hands linked. Serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, really, it's a really powerful Right around piece. the building? Right around the whole building. And that was the day that we and were And that in, was all the public? All the public. That was the day that we were in the high court and the public, uh, the, the judge wanted to get everybody out, evict everybody out. And, and about 3,000 people turned so up. So basically they made a chain... 
and just link arms. See, you're not, you're, they're not letting them out kind of thing. Yeah, that this is that this is their home now. Very, very good. You know what I mean? And that's why I called the campaign Home Sweet Home. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. It just happened to be Apollo House, so we played a few, like, you know, the Apollo mission and all that, and Apollo Creed. We had, like, different plays on words. Very good. But essentially, uh, the very first name of it was Home Sweet Home. So what was the people like that was homed for that little time in there? It'll just make you wonder what's possible. Like. But did you put a bit of happiness on their faces? You did, like, there was people getting their nails done, uh, like fellas who hadn't had a wash in weeks, getting their toenails done, getting wax taken out of their ears, oh, getting Lord. their teeth checked, getting their diabetes checked. The first time maybe they'd seen a doctor in two or three years. Oh, so you had a doctor's knowledge. We had doctor's knowledge. Well. After two or three days, we had uh, a doctor came in. Um, just volunteering basically yeah every, every, everybody was volunteering very 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 good a team of doctors and nurses and all came in yeah um, volunteers security um, we set up a library there was there was um, two you know top chefs from yeah. from the city one of them was a cousin of mine actually his name is Billy Scurdy so they came in and they had like three meals a day we built the kitchen in the place we got all all the kitchen equipment donated uh, we, they had three meals a day from two of the top chefs uh, in the city. There was a TV room. Um, there was people giving massages. So to all these homeless people, to all man. these homeless people who previously Sad. weren't even counted and were or were sleeping and freezing to death on yeah, the streets. Yeah, barely, they barely knew they existed. And this was in this was within about the first two three days, and they were there for a month, and they were there for Christmas, and it was it was powerful. It was heartwarming. But, so, but, a big but, it almost killed me. Serious? It was hard work. It didn't almost just kill me. Because you thought you take it all on, is that what you're saying? Uh, a, a few of us took a lot on. good yeah. few people took an awful lot it on. You took more than you could handle, sort of like. Absolutely. Well, look. But you didn't give up, though, did you? Um, no, didn't give up. Kind of fought a really good fight. Fought yeah. a fight that hadn't been fought in this country well, There's before. only so much one person can do at the end of the day, like, isn't there? Yeah, and there's and and there's 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 only so much, you know, twenty of or thirty of us can do. But didn't it all? Didn't did it also show you, and the people who were there, say, with you, didn't it show you how um, the kind of goodness that exists in Ireland also? There's no doubt that the people that come in and help you with all these things. There's no doubt that when you and these people just shine the, the light themselves. in the right way, people come out. I think it was great to be honest about it. Very, very good. The yeah. fact that you've done what you've done and also the fact that the public themselves was also willing to participate and help out in every way they could. And and who, like, I, I kind of knew I would get working class people behind me, but getting people from all over the country, all backgrounds, all disciplines, all ages, middle class, like, we had a list of people who wanted the volunteers and literally there was from brickies to barristers on it. Yes, like about four thousand people willing to volunteer and come down and do some stuff. And you had a bit of music there as well, hadn't you? With music, we had uh, different people torn up. Uh, we done like a rooftop gig, like the Beatles. Remember the Beatles gig? Yeah. So Did Glenn you? Hansard kind of led a rooftop gig. <laughs> Who like Glenn Hansard? Yeah. Line and Hosier and Glenn <clears throat> and great crack. So Glenn is a singer and an actor, huh? That was Glenn. a great film we wasn't it? Once the ones, yeah. Very interesting. They're making another one. Twice. Twice. <laughs> 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 That's actually a good idea. So he's going to make once twice. 
But uh, uh, he's great, doesn't he? Yeah, he's very, really good. Uh, there was a quote there from um, saying Mother Teresa. Yeah. You've heard of her, haven't you? Go on, yeah. She's from di- Kulak, is that that one? Yeah, she's from Kulak. <laughs> <laughs> she's, um, she was from India. Right. Calcutta, yeah? Yeah. And she organised, um, she actually was, she was actually, she went to the college here in, in Dublin for the for the nuns. Oh, as, did she, yeah? Yeah, but like years and years and years ago. Yeah. Obviously, you know, she, my time. she's dead now since 1997. Yeah, yeah. She died the same year as Lady Diana. Ah, right, And the good. two of them were... Are they related? No, they were very good friends. Were they? Yeah, very good ah, friends right. from two different worlds. But anyway, the moral of the story was, she was, um, she used to go out in the streets and the people that were dying with hunger, literally, she'd literally, she'd basically dragged them back to, um, see, she went to the, she went to the, the say, the government. Yeah. In, in Calcutta, yeah? And there was a big building that was literally closed down. So she went and asked for the building. So, of course, through a bit of fighting and talking and getting people on her side, they eventually gave her the, gave her the building. So they also asked her, what did she want the building for? She said, I want to form a congregation of nuns, mm-hmm. the Sisters of Charity, yeah? So... But also, she said, I want to go out on the streets and take the homeless people off the streets and the sick people, the marginalised, the vulnerable, you name it. And she said, I, I want to bring them to this building. I want to I want to make beds for them. I want to wash them. I want to feed them. So they decided then, look, okay, we give you the, we give you the building. So she got the building anyway. And straight off, she started bringing people into the building and washing them. But before before she knew it, there was people like say women basically, yeah, knocking on her on the door of the building asking could they come in. But what they wanted was they wanted to come in to become a part of the nuns. Yeah, yeah. So they joined up with the nuns. So they formed their own, let's say, congregation of nuns, if you like. So uh, one particular time, she was on the street and there was. There was a there was this person and they were what to call it. They were very. There was a name. They used to have a name for them where the, like the the skin would be all like leper lepers. Yeah. The skin would be all infected and, literally nobody, nobody would want to touch them. Basically, so this particular day anyway, she Sound, knelt, sounds familiar. This particular day, she knelt down beside uh, what we would call a leper, yeah, mm-hmm. and she put her arms around him. And say, start like, let's say, no, I mean, comforting them, like, yeah, let them know that somebody loved them, like, she, lo- she loved them, yeah. So she was showing love to them anyway. So, what she done was, she, another woman walked up from the street, yeah, and stood right beside her. And she was looking at a little nun, say, saying to Mother Teresa now, right, sort of trying to look after this leper. So, she wanted to get him and bring him back to the, to the building, basically. So she could look after him with the other nuns. And the woman looks and she said, um, she said, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to help him. Now, this would have been in their language, okay? Yeah. And You the, don't speak Indian. I don't speak Indian, no. You're going to have to try to understand me, okay? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so the other, uh, the woman said to me, she said, when she asked her, what, she, what are you doing? She told her what she was doing. And she said, I wouldn't do that for a, one, for a million 
say a million dollars, yeah. liras or whatever the, whatever the, the Indian, Indian money the Indian is. So I want to call it a million dollars, right? Shall I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa just turned around and looks up at her. She said, neither would I, she said. That's why I'm doing it for nothing. Lovely. Wasn't that nice? Lovely, yeah. Yeah. So that was that, that was a powerful little word for her, of hers. She didn't need to be paid a million dollars. She didn't be paid anything. No, absolutely not. But million dollars was the word. Yeah, yeah. She didn't need to be paid a million dollars to look after somebody, show them love and feed them and whatever she could do for them. So see see, see, the, see the thing that where she had where people were knocking on her door. She was doing this every day. Yeah. That's what we had. We had yeah. literally people knocking on our door. Yeah, but that's like... Coming from... People, some people came in from Europe, from Germany, people coming up from Cork all over. To help the, 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 the poor. To, to, to bring their expertise, to bring their money, to bring their clothes, to bring their love or whatever it was. But you know where all that came from, don't you? Go on. It came from the power of God. Yeah. Without a doubt that nobody doubt that. Yeah. There was definitely um there was definitely love there. There was a, million, a lot of love. A million percent. Uh I know uh there's an actress that um I got to know after it called Fanula Flanagan. Uh anybody who knows like um Irish actresses would know Fanula. She's been in a lot of great films. She said and this was a bit hard to hear, she said it was the most revolutionary act to happen in Dublin City since nineteen sixteen. Serious, yeah. Now, that's hard to hear when you're the person that has has done it. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Because you, you just would, need uh, to, you just need to put your feet on the ground and open your heart, you know. And something like that can just throw your head a little bit. Yeah, you know. Well, it's something you you're never going to forget for the rest of your life, are you? Absolutely not. It's no, gonna, it, 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 it nearly killed me, but it, but it, doesn't it, it do yeah? Doesn't it? I know. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, does it do you good? Absolutely. You were saying nearly killed you. Yeah, yeah. Right. What I was going to say and was that's not a bad thing. Like when you do, uh, when you do say good things in the line of helping somebody out, doesn't it actually make yourself feel good? Yeah. Now you can do it. You can do it, or you can be perceived, or the story can be you're doing it for selfish reasons. Mm, but no. No, no. If you're doing it from your, if you're doing something good, and you're doing it from your heart, yeah. Well, you you'll actually receive something for from it, mm-hmm. and the, the receiving is that you you're going to feel good about yourselves. Yeah. So it gives yourself an up an uplift there, and right? it also it connected me with humanity, because I remember being in a corner of Apollo House on the floor, sitting with a couple of blankets, and there was a couple of women there who were homeless, and a couple of men, and they were, you know. Uh, probably uh, addicted to drugs and so on and we talked about pain and suffering and trauma and we cried but as soon as we cried we also start laughing and we talked about the madness of it and how funny it is and then we'd start crying again and we sat there in that corner I think it was probably the first night or the second night um, a week before Christmas just laughing and slagging and crying and hugging each other and that's where that's where it is that's where the the love and the compassion is, and that's where the humanity is. Yeah. Did you ever look at somebody like that there and you might think in your own mind that, like, we could, there's certain things in life we can criticise, okay? Yeah. But we shouldn't. Now, I'm not talking about what we're talking about now because that would definitely not be something to criticise. But there's certain things people do in lives and then there's certain people who criticise these things. But what about the person that would look at somebody who's, let's say, has fallen in life, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. And thinking if it wasn't for the grace of God, it might have been me instead of him. Yeah. It's strange, isn't it? Yeah, and I think sometimes... Um, so that's why it's always good to actually reach out a helping hand 
to somebody who needs a helping hand. Simple as. Yeah, pull someone up. Rather, yeah, than, rather bring, than push them down. Don't push them down, lift them up, yeah. Yeah. And and instead of pointing the finger at them and blaming them or, or, yeah. or criticising them, as me dad says, or me man says, there's three fingers pointing back. Just have a look at yourself for a little bit and see where, where you're at and what you're doing. And is there something that you can do to help others, you know? Yeah, that's what, instead of criticising them, yeah. That's like, um, take the what? Take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else's. <laughs> that's a beauty. I've never heard that one. Well, you heard it Take the plank out of your own that's for the back. Yeah, that's for the back by her and the ballyrag. <laughs> oh, that's what? The ballyrag. You've heard of ballyrags, yeah? No. Well, a ballyrag is a word that travellers use. Right. A lot of travellers use it. Are you getting, you're getting gems ballyragging. Yeah, ballyragging. Well, ballyragging. Ballyragging would, would be like you're backbiting. Yeah, yeah. You're judging somebody, but... Obviously, it's behind their backs. Take the plank so out of your eye before you take the take splinter the plank out of your, 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 your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else's. What do you think of that one, Dean? That's, that's a gem. Uh-huh. That's, that's, that's to say, Dean, they reckon, Dean, we learn something new every day. I tell you what. Yeah? Uh, you haven't done this before. I haven't sat in a room like with you before like this. No. Uh, we've got to know each other over the last year, but we're really getting... Comfortable and able to explore stuff and giving each other the other person hopefully, time. Hopefully, sometime we'll be able to get uh, maybe get a little bit bigger of a studio. What do you think? Uh, we might get a guest in as well. It's okay, isn't it? Huh? It's actually okay, isn't it? This is nice in here, yeah. Yes, what do you think about getting a guest in? I don't want to say too much yet, but yeah, maybe we could get somebody on too. Because what happens is. So it'll be too comfortable. Yeah, it'd be nice to have somebody in there just to break uh, break the silence. But I think what we're learning to do is just talk and listen. Yeah. Give each other space. Well, it it is a bit of banter, a bit of a chat. Yeah. So there's there's probably not a lot more to it. But it's great that we can talk about certain little bits and pieces like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I sort of, I'm interested in that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? I'm sure there's a lot of people probably interested in the same thing. Because it's nice to know, um, it's nice to know stories or hear stories of somebody who done good for somebody else. And we're doing stuff that isn't, it isn't the norm, you know what I mean? We're just normal people, but sometimes we do extraordinary things, and that's just not me and you, that's just, that's everybody. And I think that these, these podcasts, these spaces, give us a chance just to talk about that, and, and connect with the, with the other person, the humanity in the other person, you know? And the, real, and the reality of some things. Yeah. Deadly. Episode 7, I enjoyed it. A traveler and a country. Let's say well, we can say we can we can praise us all we want, dear. We yeah. you can say it's okay. <laughs> we can it's okay. Praise but somebody you's... listening out there, what the heck is these two boys talking about? If you <laughs> don't like, share, uh, comment, uh, pass it on to your granny, send it around the and place. And again, if you're going to say something, say 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 something good, will you? Yeah. If you're going to say something bad, don't say it at all. So we're gonna we're gonna come up with some kind of sign off. Um, what, what did we say last time? Cheerio, boys. And <laughs> I was going to say cheerio, <laughs> girls. Say cheerio, girls. You're, <laughs> you're in trouble. So, uh, see cheerio, you people. How about cheerio, people? Cheerio, people. Yeah. You said cheerio, folks. Is that the last time? Cheerio, cheerio folks. Cheerio, folks. Where, where were we going with cheerio, folks? <laughs> so, that's us for this episode. A traveller and a countryman podcast. If you like it, let us know. Share it around. And uh, shall we see you on the road? 